Greetings from Hannibal, Missouri. And welcome to Rivertown Review, the podcast. An informative and hopefully entertaining look at all things Hannibal. With Megan Rapp. People tend to come, visit, they like it here, they move here. And Harold Smith. In our biased viewpoint, this part of the country, this community, is an excellent place to be from. And now, Rivertown Review, the podcast. And we welcome you to episode six of the Hannibal Rivertown Review podcast. It's good that uh, between the two of us, that one of us knows how many episodes uh, uh, we're, because Megan goes, oh yeah, it is six now, isn't it? Yeah. I am Harold Smith. And I'm Megan Rapp. And uh, this is the Hannibal Rivertown Review podcast, as we say, episode uh, half a dozen now. And uh, we thank you. Yeah, in the podcasting universe, we have learned there are hundreds, maybe even thousands of places that people can go and spend their time to our guest is nodding her head. Uh, yeah. Are you, are you into podcasts, Lisa? Well, it's on the list. It's all, I'm not it's, quite into the podcast scenario yet, but uh, it's definitely something I want to get into. This, this may drive you right over the edge, huh? <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah, You're going to be so excited by the time you leave this. You're going to say, <laughs> I must create a podcast. Yeah, yes. you better believe. Oh, and, and Lisa's got a lot of reasons to. That's why she's here. What he means is that I have, I talk a lot. Uh, well. I have a lot to say. Uh, well, there you go. That's. Well, and, and hence the reason for our invitation. Uh, yes, indeed. Yeah, and now we've already had an episode where we had a guest, but this is the first time we've had a guest in studio yes. with us. Yes, that Lisa is Marks true. is here, uh, and um, Lisa, we're going to have Lisa on several times before it's all said and done, but the first episode uh, uh, that Lisa is visiting with us um we have stated our general purposes for being here, for doing this Rivertown Review podcast. And uh, Megan, uh, you were talking before we started. Uh, Lisa fits Lisa and her husband Ken fit perfectly into one of the uh, types of people that uh, we are talking to on this podcast. Exactly. We have have mentioned in passing on some of the other episodes. You know, people tend to come and they visit and then they stay um i think we have the the poster woman uh for said <laughs> for said migration um in in the studio with us um so lisa thank you for joining us it is absolutely my pleasure anytime i get to talk about hannibal i'm happy to do so oh hey and you're and you're on itunes and stitcher and google play uh and rivertownreview.com so, so you're now big time. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You Thanks, weren't yet. Yeah, guys. You, yeah, you weren't before, That's but, awesome. but but now but now you are. <laughs> but but no, you it has it has been quite a journey for you, hasn't it? Oh my it? gosh. Yeah. This is uh year ten that we've been in Hannibal. Wow. It was our anniversary and it's a very long sorted tale. Uh, we're originally from St. Louis, mm-hmm. hundred miles downstream. And you know what's sad to me about this is that so many people from St. Louis, you know, growing up there my whole life, we never talked about Hannibal. Nobody ever visited Hannibal. It was never a destination unless you were a middle school kid that was forced to read Tom Sawyer and brought up on a big yellow bus. So to to go through Mark Twain Cave. To go through yeah, and the boyhood home. And, the boy and, and so home. um sure. so we just found ourselves in such a strange place in 2008 and in 9 when the economy tanked and we went through this terrible recession, Ken had a job at Chrysler. 
He had been a manager at the Chrysler plant there for 20 years, and Chrysler closed the plant in St. Louis. So then our choices were move to Detroit, move to Rockford, Illinois, which is just as cold as Detroit, Uh or to take the buyout and for Ken to kind of uh, find a new career. Well, the problem with all that was Chrysler was going into bankruptcy— uh-huh. And yes, we weren't 100% right. sure that if he stayed at Chrysler, even moving to Detroit, that that would ever work out. And, you know, you the buyout was a very generous plan. If you stuck through Chrysler and they went in bankruptcy, they could just furlough you with no benefit package. So we went, hmm, and it, thought, it, might want to take the money and run. Yeah, get that. You get that golden parachute. You yes, bet, you, better you better take it. Yell Geronimo and pull the, pull the ripcord. So Ken took his golden parachute at the age of 39, hmm. and uh, we didn't know quite what to do with ourselves. And we both love history, and uh, our boys were both at an age where we were not quite empty nesters, but very close. They were both already in high school. And out of the blue, a friend of mine who ran estate sales called me and said, you know, I need help. I've got this big mansion in Hannibal, and we're going to do an auction there, and I need help kind of doing inventory of the merchandise in this mansion. And I said, there are mansions in Hannibal? What's in Hannibal? So uh, came up, and of course, it was Rockcliffe Mansion that he was talking about, which is a glorious mansion built in 1900 for John Cruikshank. Uh, it's a 13,500-square-foot house, 30 rooms. Um, in today's money, to recreate it in the same way that it was built in 1900, it would be roughly a 12 to $14 million house. I mean, it's an amazing property. So I came up to do inventory, and what the plan was at the time, the owner had gone into bankruptcy, and the mortgage company wanted to just auction everything, rip the plumbing and the chandeliers and the woodwork off the walls and just sell everything off that they could sell, and then the house would just be a shell. And that way it could either be torn down or the property repurposed or what have you. Well, once we got inside and saw the magnificence of the house. And at that time, at least half of the contents of the house were still original from 1900, from when the, f- the first family moved there and the heard Tiffany, the history. The Tiffany stained glass. Yeah, from windows. Tiffany Studios, uh, signed um, by Lewis Comfort Tiffany, yes. They, uh, it, just amazing furnishings. Yes, uh, mahogany, Cuban mahogany on the walls of the dining room. I mean, just astounding things that are not recreatable today. I just called my husband in St. Louis and I said, honey, I think I know what we're going to do. We're going to move to Hannibal and we're going to save this mansion. And he's like, what? So I brought him now, up. Now, 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 seriously, is that all he said? Yeah, seriously. Oh. He was just like, what? Oh, okay. No, he said the same thing. There's mansions in Hannibal? <laughs> so, boy, um, boy, have you ever found out different since you got here? Yeah, well, well yeah, that's true. So brought Ken up. And he walked in the house and looked around and went, yep, that's what we're going to do. And so the plan was not fully fleshed out when we moved to Hannibal. But the idea was we were going to try and save this mansion somehow. We were going to uh, buy it from the bankruptcy court, find an investor to buy it for us, uh, something, some form a nonprofit to save the house. But we wanted to stop the auction, keep everything intact, keep the house intact and somehow preserve it and keep it open to the public because it's a museum. It should be a museum. It's a wonderful place for architectural students to come and learn how things were built 118 years ago. And uh, it just it's just this magnificent treasure, not only from Hannibal, from but, but for Northeast Missouri. I mean, there's just not a house like it anywhere in the region. And just in case our visitors are worried, 
it is still here. Yes. And yes, you can come and visit it. Yes. Yeah, the, the story has a happy story ending. It has yes. a happy ending. Yeah. So at, we there about a year. Um, we found very early on that we personally did not have the means to really take on that house and to, to really do it justice. But a lovely Emmy, Florida, who did have very deep pockets, ended up purchasing the house. Uh, we did at least, Ken and I were able to at least stop the auction and keep the house intact. Uh, we lived there long enough that this couple ended up buying the house. They still own the house today, so they've had it almost 10 years now. They have kept it open to the public. They still give tours, and they run part of the house as a bed and breakfast, so you can actually spend the night there. And they've done a wonderful job of maintaining the interior and keeping the history of it intact. And so um, that's what originally brought us to Hannibal. Now, uh, because we love history, we started doing research, and we wanted to find out more history about that particular house, which led us to learn about the lumber industry in Hannibal, which was the money that was earned to pay for that big monstrous house. And just, and then I, I heard, well, wait, wait a minute, the unsinkable Molly Brown was born and raised in Hannibal. <laughs> oh boy! And so then that was a whole other thing. Oh boy, was it ever! Yeah, and then it's it, and it, and and you know the whole time we're doing the research on the history, and then the other thing was. What do you mean there's not a history museum about Hannibal? Everything's just Mark Twain around here. There's a lot more to Hannibal than just Mark Twain. So that one of the, one of the first times that you sat where you're sitting right now and uh -huh. we visited about the Hannibal History Museum, that more or less was what was your overarching theme is yes. this is you know, everything else is about Mark Twain. The Hannibal History Museum is about everything else. Yes, and we love Mark Twain. And oh, yeah. there's yeah, yeah, yeah. The, Mark Twain is why we're all here. It's why Hannibal's on the map. But why, why we're doing this podcast. Right. Yeah. But boy, I tell you, once you live in Hannibal for any length of time, you start realizing this is a really special town. There's there and it's not just Mark Twain and root beer and, you know, I mean it's just the the architecture of this town. The history of what made it such a cosmopolitan, sophisticated city for so many years, the history of the Irish living in town, including Molly Brown's family. I mean, there's just so much here. It's so rich in history, railroad history. I mean, there's so much. So um, that's the reason that we stayed in Hannibal is we decided once we gave Rockcliffe over to the new owners, we purchased our own little house and we decided to stay. And, uh, you know, after... Living at Rockcliffe, we could have relocated anywhere, but honestly, it got to be where it just felt like there was just too much here to explore and too many opportunities, and that there were things that we could do in Hannibal that we probably would not have the opportunity to do anywhere else on the planet. And so that's why we stayed. Thank you for joining us for the Rivertown Review podcast. We want to remind you that if you like what you're hearing, be sure and subscribe and leave us a review. Also, for comments and suggestions, you can email us at rivertownreview at gmail.com, and you can visit us at rivertownreview.com and Rivertown Review on Facebook. The longer we're here, I think the reason that Hannibal is such a wonderful town is that we're such a part of a community. We are really part of something here. And it makes you feel as though you're part of something important that's going to last, that has a legacy. Every night there's an art gallery opening and a dinner to go to and a, and a art showing and, and, and a theatrical performance and a music performing. There's just, you're just part of something. I, I could say right now that if I really got into a dangerous place, there are a hundred people that I truly believe care enough about Ken and I, that they would come to our aid. 
And you can't say that in towns like St. Louis. There weren't five people in St. Louis that I could say that about. So I just feel like when you find a community like this that you fit so well into, and there's so many people that are kindred spirits, that it's it's really special. And it's not typical. This is a very unusual place to live. And I think that's what attracts people. When, when we give tours all the time, we have people that look around and they see the architecture and like, wow, this is a cool little town. And then they hear how inexpensive the architecture is, mm-hmm. how low the cost of living is to live here. And it makes them really stop and think about, wow, maybe I should really think about buying some property here, you know, and and then they get caught up in the magic of it too. There really is something magical about this little town. And, and I just, the, the more that I visit with, with folks like you and, and with other people who have, who have migrated here, uh, you know, just, uh, we could probably, if we just had people in here for episodes of people that have moved here, I mean, there's there are a couple of people that come to mind just right off the top of my head. They could have moved anywhere, uh, but they but they looked around, they became involved, and the Garys are one example that comes to mind. You know, these these guys have been all over the world, and they wound up here because they had uh, looked around, had reason to come here. Uh, Richard Gary, Mark Twain himself, and they looked around and go. Well, why don't we just live here? I think you are starting a second podcast of, <laughs> of, of the great Hannibal migration. But there is something because yeah. you're right. I mean, I could name a dozen couples right now mm-hmm. that have moved to Hannibal in the time that Ken and I have been here that have made a huge impact on this little town, that have made big change, positive change, and that are part of a coalition that in some ways is keeping the historic district together. You know, Hannibal, the folks that are born and raised in Hannibal are not necessarily the ones that live in the historic district. You know, they kind of live on the suburbs or, you know, out towards the hospital area. And that's fine, but there's a culture growing in the historic district in particular of people that have money, not necessarily Ken and I, but people that have money, that <laughs> love architecture, that realize that they're going to buy this house for this very low price. They're going to put a ton of money into it to restore it. They're not ever going to see that money come back. It's just because of the love of the architecture and of the scenery. And and they have really made homes here. And it, it, it gives, again, it isn't the value of the property. It's the value of the experience. It's the value of the idea of having a legacy and leaving something behind for the next generation. And the people that believe in that and find value in that are the ones that stay. And there there may be out there in other parts of the country other than the Midwest, uh, maybe people who have this stereotypical perception of people in the Midwest, uh, especially small town people. When other people come into their community, they kind of stand off to one side and look down their nose at them. And they're they're not from around here, you know. They just what are they doing here? Uh, but that's this is very much a town that in, well, it's a it's a tourism town, and I found that living in other tourism towns, they tend to be welcoming. They tend mm-hmm. to be uh, inclusive to uh, to to let new people in. That that other. Um, tourist destination in missouri that we won't talk about the big to, one to the southwest that starts with a b uh you know I, they could because so many people are from somewhere else anyway and it's getting to be more that way mm-hmm. in a town like hannibal well i think that's true if you have money 
Hannibal likes it if you bring money. Well, we need money. Please bring your money. I'm pretty sure that's every every town. Yeah, welcome me with. That's America right now, isn't it? You know, I mean, because that's the thing. If you go through any part of America, no matter if it's Midwestern, Northwestern, Northeast, these small towns, these uh, more rural towns, we're not. uh, We're within. We're longer than a hundred miles away from any major metropolitan area, so we're considered fairly rural. Any town that's in that kind of a demographic, no matter what state you're from, is deteriorating. You know, people, there's this gigantic migration happening again, away from farms, away from the rural areas, back into the big cities. And so these small towns are really suffering. And, and it's because of jobs and economic development that there, there's so little of that happening in these small towns that Hannibal's very fortunate to have Mark Twain. And, and that, to have tourism. Yeah, you got to have a hook. Yeah. That, and that's other towns have told us, oh, my God, we'd give anything to have an icon like that that we could rely on to market and to bring people to our small town. And, and so we're very fortunate about that. But what really keeps these historic districts alive are people that are not doing it because they think they're going to make a killing or that they're going to flip these houses and make all this money. It truly is just for the love of the experience and living in this kind of a culture and, and enjoying the camaraderie of the people that are doing likewise. Yeah, and uh, from that has come, well, as you alluded to, the, the Hannibal History Museum. That the I, people I had see. a great segue I was going to use. Go right ahead. <laughs> please, please, I'm sorry, I, I stepped on your Golly, segue. Harold. You stepped on my segue, Harold. Well, I was just going to say that now that we have learned how um, Lisa and, and her um, a darling husband, Ken, came, discovered Hannibal, and came to Hannibal, and we know that they saved, helped save Rockcliffe. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Um, mm. My pleasure. We uh, <laughs> we we want to know. Um, all right, now what? What, oh, did, what, what did you do after that? How in did a, in a uh, let's see what what uh, in a in a in a five minute? I was gonna uh, say how long is this podcast? Uh, yeah, uh, did, did, yeah, Q and, yeah, Q and D. Uh, this is the lightning round from from three. Yeah, in the, in the, the next the, the light, next three to five. Yeah. Yes, the, the lightning round of. I'll give you the reader's digest. Okay. I'll you give go. you the condensed version. That'll okay. Work. Okay. First thing we did was we started haunted Hannibal ghost tours. That came first. Because mm-hmm. Rockcliffe was haunted. We did have true haunted experience. I'm not a ghost person. I'm not paranormal. <laughs> Ghosts have to hit me over the head with a frying pan and get my attention. <laughs> but I had weird, crazy things happen. And when I talked about these weird, crazy things, and other people said, well, I'm having weird, crazy things happen too. And I started gathering all these crazy ghost stories, and it just became a tour. And it's a lot of fun, but it's a history tour. So after we started the ghost tours, we did start the Hannibal History Museum, which was our main goal once we left Rockcliffe, we had done all this research, read all this wonderful information about Hannibal, and, and we're excited to share that. Um, we wrote books. We wrote a book called Haunted Hannibal. Surprise. And then the Han- A Brief History of Hannibal, which that book was actually the roadmap for the museum. We wanted to do the research and kind of write the stories we wanted to tell, and then we could make the exhibits from that. And then after that, we took over Molly Brown's birthplace and museum, which is here in Hannibal. Molly Brown lived here from her birth in 1867 until the age of 18. So she, all of her formative years were here in Hannibal. Stand, stand by for future episodes. By yes. The way. yes. Um, mm-hmm. I became a Molly Brown, uh, I hate to say impersonator, but... Uh, in, I, in that in that other town that we won't mention that starts yeah, with a B, they the don't B. call them impersonators, right. they call them... Tribute, tribute artist. Tribute reenactor. Reenactor. Something like that. I'm a Molly Brown reenactor. 
So I am very privileged that in the last six years that I've been doing that, I've gone all through the Midwest and uh, talked about Molly Brown, portrayed her, and also it gives you a great opportunity to tell people about how fabulous Hannibal is. Come to Hannibal, see Molly Brown's house for yourself. And then steampunk. Which is, which is another episode. That's another episode. Oh, yeah. As a fundraiser for the Hannibal History <laughs> Museum, we thought, well, you know, Hannibal's kind of a cool Victorian town. It was part of the Industrial Revolution. There was a lot of machinery and a lot of wonderful uh, patents that were made here. That kind of sounds like steampunk, doesn't it? Well, why don't we do a little steampunk event? Yeah. Well, ain't, ain't nothing going on Labor Day weekend. Labor Day weekend. So <laughs> this is our fifth year. And last year we had about 12,000 people over the three-day weekend, which was just <sighs> mad. I mean, this is a pretty small town, folks. This we is... only have 18,000 that mm -hmm. live here. So this yep. year's steampunk festival should be bigger and better. It's four days and it's just going to be mayhem. So that's a whole nother thing. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole nother episode. As a matter of fact, it would, uh, unless you have something else for the good of the order. Well, I was going to say, uh, I think uh, our our loyal podcast listeners just got a sneak preview of an upcoming podcast about Molly Brown, because mm -hmm. we've, we've talked a little bit about Mark Twain. Um, we did an overview of the events, but steampunk is its own niche market, and if you do not know what oh, yeah. steampunk is, you need to listen to this upcoming episode because it is so much fun. Um, and uh, we, we told Lisa we had to give her the, you know, the, the quick lightning round. So she didn't even mention, you know, her vintage marketplace, her store that she has downtown. That's the brand I new think one. Of some of other walking tours. So um, hopefully this podcast, um, this episode has given folks uh, some, some uh, food for thought. You know, uh, here's, here's somebody that just, they came, they loved it. They conquered. they conquered. They came, they, they saw, they, they conquered. They made it their own. I mean, everybody <laughs> dreams of, of doing something, um, you know, of, of living your passion and, and, and creating something and going forward. And I can't think of any better example. And Megan, as I said before, I don't know that there's anywhere else on the planet that would have allowed us supported us, uh, gotten excited about what we thought were passionate than the folks here in Hannibal. And we are so grateful that we've had the opportunities that we've had here. I, I don't think we could have done this anywhere else. So I'm, I'm very delighted to be a part of this little town. Yes, indeed. And with that, uh, more to come. Be sure and join us for future episodes of Rivertown Review, the podcast. Uh, I'm Harold Smith. And I'm Megan Rapp. And, of course, we have uh, RivertownReview.com, Rivertown Review on Facebook. If you have questions, comments, suggestions, uh, go to RivertownReview at gmail.com uh, and leave us a nice review. Download us. Uh, download us. Uh, share download us the podcast. Share us with you. Absolutely. Put out the word. Thank you for joining us for Rivertown Review, the podcast. For more information on all things Hannibal, visit our website, rivertownreview.com If you have comments, questions, or suggestions for future episodes, please email us at rivertownreview at gmail.com And be sure and join Megan and Harold next time for Rivertown Review, the podcast. <laughs>